Hey everyone, welcome to the Naked Mom Podcast. This is Brooke Burke. So excited about today because I've got my first repeat guest. If you didn't listen to episode one, maybe check that out. It was Tracy McMillan. Since then, we've become friends. She's one of my favorite authors, and I've gotten to know her um, over the course of the last few months. She's one of my favorite people. She's a best-selling author of the books, Why You're Not Married Yet, and also I Love You When I'm Leaving You Anyway. She's also been a matchmaker on Ready for Love, and I just read her first novel, Multiple Listings. So we're going to get right to it. We're taking some relationship questions today, and she knows a whole lot about this. We're going to dissect it all, so stay with us. All right, everyone, before we get to our interview, I just want to give a little love and another shout out to Skechers for once again supporting the Naked Mom Pod. I really, really appreciate it. And my number one shoe right now is the Skechers Delight for lots of reasons. It's super cute. I love all the colors, but it's also got this roomy fit in the memory foam, which I know I keep talking about, but it's really so comfortable. If you don't have a pair, go out and get yourself some, especially if you want to be just a little bit taller and nobody's ever going to know. Thank you, Skechers. Tracy McMillan, I'm so happy to have you back. It's so nice to be back. It's always good to spend time with you. Since uh, Tracy was my very first guest, we've had dinner, we've had lunch, we've stayed mm-hmm. in touch. We're not naked, by the way. I, I, I feel like I have to say this because every time I'm doing one of our sponsorships or mentioning the socials or the tags, mm-hmm. everything ends in slash naked. Oh. And, I, and, I've, and I've had a lot of people ask me lately, why didn't you call your book The Naked Mom? And is it The Naked Mom podcast, really? Like, what does that mean? So just to remind everyone, Everyone, we're totally not naked, and the naked, as in, it, 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 it's a reference to being sort of revealing, right? The naked mom, all things revealed. I had to say that because it's starting to sound really weird, right? Because people are imagining right now what I look like without clothes on. <laughs> Which maybe that's a good thing. I had a, yeah. I had a male guest come on, Matt Eisman, and he showed up and he was like, "Okay, hang on, you're in a pair of sweats right. and your hair's in a bun," <laughs> and I was told that this is the naked mom. And what's up? Anyway, I had to get that out of the way. Happy summer. Thank you. Is your son home for the summer? Yes, he's back from college. He's a rising junior, which I can't believe how fast it went. It seems like we just dropped him off and crossed our fingers and said, we hope this works. So I have a junior in high school, my oldest Mm -hmm. daughter. I feel the same way. But what's that like? Like they leave and then they're all grown up and they're on their own and you kind of have no— I don't know about all grown up. Oh, really? I don't know about all grown up, but so I will say happy. this. <laughs> I will say this. So, you know, that la- those last few minutes before they go are so gnarly because they hate your guts. And they're basically like, you know, get away from me. Rawr! And then they go away to college. And people told me this, but I didn't believe it. Because we don't aren't prepared for this. Yes. Well, they're they're trying to individuate. They're trying to separate from you. And then they actually— And I'm having separation anxiety it, right now, even though it's not street. here yet. Yep, it's a two-way street. But then when they go away, they realize, oh, I'm separate. And then when they come back, they're nice people. They are. Yes. My son's like a nice person. Last night he asked me if I wanted a flavor ice. You know, in the he's like, Mom, I'm going to get a flavor Do you want one? And I was like, do you feel like he missed you while he was away? He does miss me. He he can afford to like me, you know. Is the time, is the quality time different when he returns home after being on his own? Well, I think the thing is there's a tone shift in the relationship. Yes. (laughs) It's like they're no longer in that rebellious teenager thing, yeah, with the fingers up all the time, you know. And it's more like 
okay, you're a cool person. But, I mean, didn't we say this um, before oh, we talked about, remember we I said this I was going to share your line because yes. Tracy and I had lunch several weeks ago and I was in like a big funk challenging time with my, my oldest daughter and I, you gave me the best advice. And I, somebody said it to me and it was basically like when kids become teenagers, they fire you as your as their boss and if you're doing a great job and you know your limits, they rehire you as a consultant. Brilliant. But that depends on me knowing I'm not the boss. So now my stuff is a request just as much. You know, it's like there's got to be that level of respect. And if I can show him that respect, he will take um, consulting from me. But how did you shift from the only way that you've known how to parent, which is the boss? I don't Um, know that I've ever totally been the boss. It's not that I'm a friend, because I think people get confused. Because that's dangerous, I think. Like, it's one or the other. Like, they're like, either you're an authoritarian, you know, general telling this person what to do, or you're their friend. But I'm like, what if you're their guardian? Like, it's a custodial relationship for me. It's like, I've been given care of this very precious resource called a human. And then little by little, and they are... A sovereign human being. They are not like my property. Um, and then little by little, uh, they're more and more like, I'll take it from here. I'll mm. take it from here. I'll take it from here. And then sometimes I'm saying, you can, you've got this. You've got this. You've got so are this. So you, you, are you a controlling person by nature? Not I really. Mean, well, I like an outcome that I want as much as the next person. I mean, right. it's not like I don't but have But some a, people just cannot give up the control. And I'm not that person. But to me, that's years of spiritual practice yeah. of giving up control. It's not like I didn't that's come big. in wanting control. Of course I did. I also wanted to live forever. And I wanted like unlimited everything. But the truth of life and the spiritual path is to begin to recognize like, oh, there are some limitations. And if I can accept those, I can actually have way more freedom than I would ever have if I demanded unlimited um, But this is power. big and really refreshing to hear you say that because there is that very challenging line, that dance between being parent and being friend. And I think mm-hmm. it's dangerous when you, when, you, when you sway to the side of friendship and yes. you're not willing to be unliked by your children. Right. You're not oh, willing to that. not be considered a friend because you have have to be the you know authoritative voice, but mm-hmm. people usually choose one or the other. So it's actually yeah. re- really time, really timely, really good for me to hear you say that right now because I always like to hear different options and different mm-hmm. possibilities. And I've never thought that there's one way to parent it, and that's the right way. I think we have to find yes. our own way. But for me, I, I'm like struggling with that, which is why I asked you, how do you suddenly change your style and your point of view? Mm-hmm. But what you're saying is that you weren't total left bank, total right mm-hmm. bank. So you were able to kind of, it was less of a difficult adjustment for you. That's really, that's, that's really well, interesting. One of the things like, for instance, not being liked by your kid. Like I know parents that when their kid is in the teenage phase and going like, I hate you or whatever they say. And then they're like, don't disrespect me, which I'm like, what? Here's what I say when my kid said he hated me. I'd be like, that's a way people feel about other people sometimes. You know? okay. You're so in control, and so it's like, <laughs> like I want to send him the middle feeling. finger emoji on the phone, but I I don't. But yeah. like, okay, so that's I guess a I guess way people feel about people they're close to. I don't want him to feel like he has to leave everybody that he feels like I hate you to, because that's normal to feel that. And then I'm like bleeding a back. slow death with the dagger. I'm not going. Well, that's the way. <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean? Hate me? No. Yeah. All right. This is good. 
Yeah. You're so cool. No. No, you're so like even. Your 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 spiritual work is so effective. Well, one of the things is that I came in with such bad parents that I, I knew I could not do one thing without essentially building the the parenting house from the ground up. So I had to really teach myself how, you know, and make a lot of choices around how, what do I really believe about people and about relating to other mm. people? Because, you know, I always say like parenting and partnering are one letter off. They are That's the right. same thing. It's really about being a primary attachment figure for your kids. And then in your marriage or your partnership, it's also about being a primary attachment figure. And what you want to be is loving. So I just privileged the relationship, number one. But why are we the only ones in the combo that has to be the loving one when well, the children are allowed to be the abusive? Only for that little stage. And then, right. but that's, then they go to college, they come back and they're loving. So does your son want to hang with you now? Well, you know, he wants to be in the same room with me. That's I'm going to nice. call that hanging. I'm going to, I'll take that. <laughs> he might not necessarily. Actually comes in, out of his room. Yeah, he might not engage. Exactly. He he has a space uh, in the ba- in the basement that's his, you know, like a, like a hang, yeah, a hang place. Yeah. But he actually prefers to be in the living room with me, even though he's like on his game or whatever he's doing. But he wants to be there. And then every once in a while, he'll direct a, a sentence of conversation toward me, and then I'm always ready to respond to him. That's not necessarily two-way street yet. Right. But so, <laughs> sometimes I will say to him, you know, I get to say things to you, too, and ask questions as well. Good. Like, yeah. this is a two-way street. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But honestly, it. a 14-year-old, it's not a two-way street yet. It's no. It's really not. Or 17. Yeah, uh-huh. 17 is one of the hardest ages. To me, 14 and 17 were the hardest. Oof. And four. Yeah. Four was really hard. It's all hard. It's all beautiful. It's all yes. amazing. There's so many learning opportunities. It's true. I love being a mother. Me too. And I got to tell you, it, it it educates me every it educates me every single day. Yeah. And when I'm not learning when I should, I'm like, shit, I got to mm-hmm. dig deeper and work harder. And you also have four times more issues yeah. to deal with than I do. <laughs> so can we keep this real? Okay, I you. am not saying you and I. I have a friend with three kids. She looks at me. She's like. You don't know my world, you know. Oh, God, and so I'm well, like, I, know, we joked around about this last time. Yeah. I always feel like your first child isn't basically an experiment. I yeah, that's the it. first pancake. I kind of have like, I think I figured it out by number four until right. he turns into double double child as well. No. <laughs> so how are you adjusting to that? To um, kind of living alone, right? It's like weird. having, to, and then now your son is back. Like, well, I would say there's two main features of having an empty nest. One is you don't have to cook dinner. Right. So I just snack. I just snack. I it's basically like God, being, I don't know what that's even it's amazing. Like. It's like being twenty nine without the anxiety. You know? So like when you're twenty nine, you have all the time in the world to do whatever you want, except you're filled with anxiety about your life. Well, I have all the time, but I know how my life turned out. <laughs> so it's like fine. I can't even imagine it's where so you great. are right now. The other thing is there's in my house is clean. So oh. I clean it and, and then it or actually yeah. It gets cleaned and then it stays clean. That's right. It's That's amazing. Right. And now he's home. Wow. Like the bathroom is like a hurricane. Hit right, the bathroom. right, right, and right. Every cupboard, you walk into the kitchen, every cupboard is open. Is any part of that though lovable because oh, he's home? You know what I mean? It's oh like, my God. It's all, I'm like, here, can I do your laundry? Oh. But then actually, I had to stop doing that because he knows how to do laundry now. I know he does because he does it at school. So 
Do they really do of, it at school, or do they pay someone else to no, do it? No, they do. Do it. boys do their he, he laundry when they go they away do to it school? At college, they don't even wash their it. clothes. I would imagine they probably do it twice a semester. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. Ew. <laughs> but he does it, so I said to him, "Well, you're going to be doing your laundry because I know you know how to do it." So even though it's kind of a pleasure for me to do his laundry, and I sort of, I'm like, "Oh, look at me, I'm a mom." I actually kind of I know I'm it's kind of sweet, it. right? Mm-hmm. The stuff you hated to do while they were home and you had mm-hmm. to. Now when it becomes a choice, it's like playing house. <gasps> Isn't yeah. that sweet? It's really oh sweet. Oh my gosh! And he's a sweetheart. He's a good person. Good job, yeah. Tracy. I mean, you know, they all have stuff they're working on, but that's fine. Aren't, Aren't we, we all? all? <laughs> <Jinx>. <laughs> Aren't we all? Which leads us to our next chapter. I'm so yes. excited to be able to hog you for the next hour because. You're such an such, such such an oracle of wisdom, and you have so many people that reach out to you asking you questions about love and relationship mm-hmm. and life coaching and all kinds of stuff. And you, Tracy is a relationship expert, and um, you know I'm a huge fan of um, I love you and I'm leaving you anyway, mm-hmm. which I told you last time one of my faves. And Tracy, all you're welcome. And Tracy also. Um, uh, wrote the book why you're not married yet so no wonder that everybody's still reaching out so we're gonna talk about some questions Mm -hmm. um that you received and let's just let's just talk about relationships i'm i'm dying to know what um what people want information on well it's funny because i get a lot of questions and i'm not usually able to respond to them but i thought why don't i i'll go hang out with brooke I love it. I love it. Let's learn a little bit. Who knows what we'll come up with? And by the way, aren't we forever learning in our relationships about ourselves, about our partners and evolving and trying to stay open and flexible and trying to um, be two whole people sharing a life rather than this concept that, you know, young love, we think we're just all, we're supposed to be like this, you know, intertwining in this union where we're just one. Like it took me a long time to figure out, no, you're you. And I'm me, and we're going to kind of coexist and join our lives together, but I'm going to be whole, and you're going to be whole, and that's when it, it started working. Totally. Right? Well, that kind of brings me to the first Boom. question. <laughs> what is what? Like Oh, the, really? That's like the perfect segue. Okay, yes. good. I'll get out of your head. I'll stop reading. Well, the, the, <laughs> the question is, what's codependency, and how is it different from just being loving towards somebody or of service to oh. somebody? And so, I mean, I don't know about you, but there's so many different definitions of codependency. You're like, you hear the word all the time. You're like, what is it? And even a lot of books about it. And yeah, honestly, I've read some. Sometimes mm-hmm. it has a very negative mm-hmm. connotation to it. So let's just break down what codependency well, is. I guess what I feel like it. I mean, I don't know what I feel like codependency is. Is it's when you're fused. It's exactly what you just said. It's when you're fused with the other person and you don't know where you stop and they start. So you're sort of living from their point of view, and it could be like your kids, your partner, your mom. It's when you're living um, sort of through the other person in such a way that you're it's distorting your relationship with yourself. Mm. And maybe you're not clear on who you are, and you're dependent on them to define or fill in those blanks. Exactly, and you're not clear. Sounds very unhealthy. Exactly. And I feel like the main difference in the way you know it's codependency versus just like being of loving service to someone is that codependency gets painful. Yeah. And you can't keep it going. Yeah. Um, It feels like people are in a potato sack race and you're trying to decide which way are we going to go. And like one person is sort of the lead potato sacker and then another person is always going along for the ride. 
And then you maybe fight over who's going to be the person mm. determining where this relationship goes. Um, Can we get a little deeper into it? Sure. Why do you think, um, what makes one be, code? why are we codependent? Yes, I love that. Um, because I think the thing is, is like, the whole thing that makes you want to fuse, like if you're having healthy boundaries and you love your life and you know who you are, you don't really want to fuse with another person. And I don't think a lot of people fully understand this and practice that because we think love is this completely different fantasy, right. well, which is why most of our country's divorced, by well, the way. you know what? Exactly. <laughs> I couldn't agree with you more. Okay, yes, because, all right, I think love, um, going back to the parenting and partnering, love basically follows the developmental stages of childhood. So you do enmeshment. So that's the, like a baby enmeshes with the mother. New lovers enmesh with each other. Now, healthy people eventually stop enmeshing and they become, let's call them toddlers, and then they mm -hmm. walk away. That's what toddlers do. They say, mm -hmm. no, this is me. Mm-hmm. Well, when you're in an unhealthy relationship, you never do that. You just want to stay in enmeshment forever. Mm. And if the other person tries to walk away or say no, you can't tolerate that. And there's like, you just want to stay fused. And if you possibly had an unhealthy parent who exactly. didn't allow you to walk away and force the infusion, That's which is why is. we know we need to go way back even when we're not aware of it. That's God. right. So to me, that's where it starts. And it's usually like you're a goldfish in a bowl going, what water? It's like so much a part of the way you're walking through the world. Mm -hmm. A codependent viewpoint is so much a way that you're walking through the world. If somebody said, you know, it's okay for your spouse to go to a party without you, they'd be like, no, it's not. Like these sure. are the things that a person just assumes are the and way it is. And what a fucked up position for the person who's on the other end, who's being depended upon. What a right. huge yes. um responsibility that is yes. would be extremely hard to maintain long term. Well, and I also think that those people usually, okay, I'm going to say those people often are somebody who says, look, you're bumming me out. You're like crowding me. I'm feeling suffocated. But they want it as much as the other person wants it. They want to be wanted and needed mm -hmm. and depended upon. Mm -hmm. They're just, that's why it's co I've been in, I've been in those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, um, and I'm not sure that I knew I was in it when I was in it or knew how to define it. And I can actually remember in one relationship, somebody, it's actually a therapist who gave me this book about called Codependent No More. And I was like, God, this just, just doesn't make any sense. And I'm not codependent. Like, and like, what, what do you mean? This? Yeah. <laughs> this just sounds very dark and like that. that but it's really interesting. Mm -hmm. It's very simple. It kind of is. It's really like if you find yourself, okay, so there's a joke. Um, I'm drowning and your life flashes before my eyes. You know, that's like a joke about codependency where I don't even, I'm just not living from my own point of view. Mm. And everything I think, of, you hear people like uh, a friend, not even a friend, a friend of a friend on the way over here was telling me um, that she, that's confusing. Wait, on the way over here, my friend was telling me about her friend who's getting a divorce. And she's basically saying, um, my husband, I just want to feel free. I just want to be free. And she's like, wait a minute. Your husband, you can feel free whether right. your husband changes or not. That's right. That's right. And this woman has no concept that her freedom is not actually dependent on the other person doing one thing That's different. Right. That her freedom is her own state of mind. That's right. That's codependent. And I, when you say that, my brain processes, she gave her freedom away yes. to this man. Mm -hmm. So when you want your freedom back, you just take your freedom back. That's right. You don't have to dump yeah, the man. Yeah, that's big. 
I mean, and and I even said just what you said. I was like, this is why the divorce rate is what it is. So she could That's either the blame game, isn't it? it totally. <laughs> like she could either start to do some really hard down to the studs work around having relating to him yep. in a new way and maybe even find a new level of loving that isn't there right now yep. and she can't imagine right now but could be there if she were willing to look at her own self and her own part in it yep. rather than just decide well he's the problem he's got me in jail and that's the yeah, end healthy of it. boundaries healthy power it, it's so really a, a difficult concept a friend of mine a friend of a friend of mine mm-hmm. um, <laughs> we try to remain yes. it's funny as I'm doing this podcast I'm like I have to really yeah. <laughs> be careful yeah. about what I, well, you know, what I, what I share. But a friend of a friend of mine is going through a divorce, mm-hmm. and it's a really ugly, messy, really painful mm. divorce. And this man really sort of, um, really defined, like the whole family concept, really defined who she is, mm. and she's really struggling and trying to figure that out and take that. I don't power is not the right word, but just mm-hmm. figure identity out like how to have the, the new, yeah, her mm-hmm. own identity and. It's such a struggle and it's such a, a painful um, process to watch. Mm-hmm. And, and I know so many women like that and mm-hmm. and women who are kind of even happy in that space yeah. and don't have needs outside of what the family needs right. dictate. And then, you know, this woman found herself just poof, it's over. Like wow. poof in an instant. Wow. Like, who the hell am I now? Right. Now, how do I, now what do I do? And that happens to people in empty nests, too. Yeah. Oh, you know? yeah, absolutely. It's like the kid leaves or they get older and they They're don't lost. need you. And you're like, wait, who was I? And it didn't start out that way, you know? It didn't start out that way where, because when a kid's little, sure, they need you. But around about 10 or 11, they're like, okay, you know. I, I got this. And then Sad. we have to go find our own lives. We can't so just good advice, assume though. ourselves into our kids. Junior year. Yes. <laughs> you know what I mean? If you're that person, when your child's in high school, start developing some things yes. that bring you joy. Because mm-hmm. I, I, that's why I ask you all the questions, mm-hmm. you know, as my oldest is getting ready to transition. I'm just sort of like, whoa. Mm-hmm. But I also have a big life and I'm, I yes, think I have do. healthy boundaries mm-hmm. and I have a lot of kids at home and things that bring me great joy. But... I, 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 that would be devastating mm-hmm. if that weren't the case. So that's good advice. Yeah. And I mean, you never know what's going to happen in life. Like things change, you know, marriages, not everything lasts, yeah. like whatever. Yeah. Healthy boundaries. Yeah. Good sense of one. self. That's a big one. I love that. Good mm-hmm. question. Okay. So the next question is about forgiveness. So how do you forgive people? It basically boils down to how do you forgive people? Wow. And that's so hard because, I mean, we all have a million people to forgive. I mean, nobody's getting to adulthood without somebody that they're upset with, you know, or bosses, children, exes, parents, of course, is a big one. And I just feel like forgiveness, it's not like, it's actually a process. I think Mm -hmm. you can forgive and then... Some time goes on and then it can come back up and you're like, whoa, I need to either forgive again or there's some new piece that I need to forgive. Because like, I feel like the world is constantly showing you more about the things that have happened in your life. I mean, I don't know about you. I'm old, you know, and I no, but I mean, I'm into life and I'm still working out my childhood. You know, well, always, who right? isn't? I mean, who isn't? And, and if like, you're not, you probably should start. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Especially if you're halfway there, it's 
pretty good time right now to start. And it's like this 18 years of your life, Shit. and you literally spend the next 60 years working out the first 18. <laughs> what is that? What is that? You know? So I that's feel ca- like— that's, being, that's called being a connected woman. Yeah. But forgiveness— Let me ask you a question, yeah. because if we were to try to give the word— forgiveness and action mm-hmm. maybe we can start there because you know i'm a faithful person i believe in god i know i'm supposed mm-hmm. to i'm gonna forgive anyone and everyone in my life because i'm just mm-hmm. gonna say i I will forgive you and it's easy to say and blah blah. my question is mm-hmm. where do you put the feeling the pain the injustice that that's right what so it's easy to say right unless you're just so stuck in your own way and mm-hmm. i forgive you but what's the what do you think the action of that's forgiveness? I you know love what I that. mean? Yes, like, I totally know what you mean. And here's the image right? that's coming to my mind. The image that comes to my mind is of sacrifice. So you know how I went to Mexico once and I went on one of those pyramids that they have down there. And mm-hmm. then the Mayans would climb up all those millions of steps and then they'd put mm-hmm. the fruit at the top or Mm -hmm. whatever, and then they climb down all the steps and be like, I gave my fruit (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) to the gods. Mm -hmm. That's what I think it is. I feel like there's a piece of you that has to be willing to to walk, yes, to walk up to the top of the thing, leave this precious thing, this, this resentment, this hurt, this fear, this thing somebody did to you, leave it there and go, I'm going to let God handle it. I'm going to let the rains come and wash it away. I'm going to, I'm going to let go of needing like to fix this on my own and i'm gonna release it yes see we both believe in god so we can speak we can only speak about what we believe in right right right. um but that that is a great visual so i have another version if that if you don't want to believe in god which is fine i don't i don't care what anybody thinks um so uh it would be changing a story because it's like you said when you're angry at somebody ongoingly it's usually that you believe you were a victim somehow or they did something to you Mm -hmm. and so um, I always use the example of so you know I had this crazy childhood where my mom gave me up when I was three months old my dad was a pimp and he went to prison all this stuff happened and so there's one version it's really good yeah I love you and I'm leaving you anyway it's all in there read it seriously (laughs) Um, so there's one version where I got born and all these bad things happened to me Mm -hmm. And then there's another. This is your story. Yeah. So that's one story. And then there's another version where I got born and I took a look around and I said, I can do better than this. And then I I left. And even though it looked like my parents gave me up, in fact, the story that happened in many respects was better than the story that would have happened had I stayed there. So this is what I'm saying. Changing your point of view. Yeah. Shifting your perspective to see. You know, even it's like somehow this is the best thing. This is for the best. And if I don't see it, how can I make it for the best? You see people turn, take tragedy all the time and they say, I'm going to make this for the best. We choose how we deal with it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if we leave it up at the top Mm -hmm. of the pyramid and Mm -hmm. we forgive, then what does one do with the real feeling that hurts? It's like an ache, a hollowness. You feel your heart like tearing, like like me. When something hurts me, I can visually, I'm bleeding a slow death. So then then I think that's it. What's the process? You feel that. You feel it. 
Because I feel like sometimes people hang on to the, like, we don't forgive because there's actually a power in holding that grudge. You don't have to feel the heart-tearing pain. Mm. So you you would rather feel anger because anger is sort of empowering. There's all this, like, cortisol (laughs) and adrenaline that goes with it, you know? Um, But if you feel, like, if you put that down, you have the grief. Yeah. But the cool thing about the grief is that the grief actually takes you to, like, compassion. And you realize, oh, I'm not the first person who's ever had something happen to them. Like, this is life. Life happens, you know? Life happens. Yeah, no, that's good. The process of healing. Mm -hmm. The ability to shift, to consider a different point of view. Mm -hmm. I think the ability to just let go and the willingness to forgive, to sort of not internalize it and let it go and release it is very freeing. Mm -hmm. And then the process of learning from that challenging moment begins. Yeah. Right? I mean, I feel like we do so many things to not have to feel, but the thing about not feeling is that then you just become gradually less and less human over yeah, time. And it's way easier, way easier to just disconnect. Totally. It is. Although it's that's a full-time Pem- job. Temporarily. That's a temporary, full-time job. Yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, how much stuff feels much better to be connected even though it's easier sometimes to not Mm -hmm. sit in that yeah absolutely yeah temporarily because i mean how many cigarettes can you smoke how much wine can you drink i mean yeah after a while it's like how much shopping can you do you know absolutely (laughs) have you ever done i'm totally off topic but they made me think of this and um this is a little hippy-dippy and really deep, you guys, but I'm going to share it anyway because if you can get to an experience like this if you live in a city that offers it. Have you ever done a breathworks class? No. What <sighs> so, is it? Exactly. That's what I said. So a lot of my girlfriends were going and talking about it, and it's um, guided by a, a coach or a yogi or a person mm-hmm. who studies the, the, the art of working with your breath to mm-hmm. release certain things. And I'm very private. Mm-hmm. Not that private because I'm doing mm-hmm. this, but I mean like— When you're not being naked. In my, right? when I'm not naked. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. Um, but in my emotional process. Sure, of and course. I, you know, I'm a mom. It. I have game face on usually. Mm-hmm. I kind of, I don't really wear my feelings on mm-hmm. my sleeve. And I'm a crier, but it's more like something moves me or a movie. Mm-hmm. I don't really like cry about my own pain. Right. And this is a class that you go to and you're in a room and nobody's looking at you. No one's touching you or ask, asking you to express anything. You know, speak to anyone. But you lay down on this mat and there's incredible music that takes you on a journey. And you learn how to breathe. So it's like wow. a deep breath in your belly, a deep breath in your chest, and then you exhale. So it's like a... And you do this for like an hour, which is really, really hard. So it's, um, I'm I'm probably butchering this before some really gnarly shit comes up. (laughs) Holy crap, Tracy! I went on an hour journey. The reason why I I mention it is because we hold so much stuff inside, Mm -hmm. and um, we are so unaware of so many things. So there's so much like deep pain and deep stuff and stuff that we've never processed. We don't even know we need to process. We walk through life just thinking like everything's fine until you're prepared as a grown up or at some point to do your deep work. So um, there's a, I think it was breathworksjp.com. I'm going to put it on our site because I want to remember this if anybody's interested because I don't want to leave everyone curious and hanging. But you go through this state and it's kind of a deep meditation sort mm-hmm. of when someone's talking yeah. to you and the music's awesome. And then there's this gong and all of these early things. I have never cried wow. in my life wow. like this 
in a public place. I mean, nobody cared because everybody was in it. Mm -hmm. It was so deep and it was such a release and it was so healing. It was so profound. It was so uh, amazing. I believe it. And it was like an hour and a half of just, I don't know, out of my head in my body. Mm. I got so clear. I bet. It was so good. And stuff came up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Stuff came up that I didn't even know. It was crazy. Wow. You dig it. Mm-hmm. I know you would I dig know, it. I know. I know I would. I yeah. would do it. And they happen all over. It's called Breathworks. Anyway. Okay. A little hippy dippy. You guys know me. I'm going to look it up. <laughs> it was yeah. really intense. I mean, hippy dippy is good. It yeah. just means you'd be connected. Yeah. On a path. Yeah, exactly. It was scary, mm-hmm. but it was good. That's cool. Yeah. All right. What else does everybody want to know? All right. Um, all right. So let's talk about a list. Having a list. a list. Somebody wrote me and they were like, should I have a list? What kind you know, of like list? a list when you're like, you know, I want to say shopping for a partner. You know, oh. when you're dating and you, you've got to make a list. Like a list of requirements? Yeah, so things that you Prerequisites? want. Prerequisites? Yeah, or just things you're looking for. Sometimes people do it as question. like. a good question. They do it as an intention. Because like, people think mm-hmm. they, the older we get, the more difficult, like the more we need to define who we want and yes. what we're looking for. So this is good. Oh, I'm dying to know and your that perspective you on this. you can't get what you want unless you've put it on a list. And I actually want to say, I don't think you need a list. Oh, really? Yeah. It's interesting because I kind of floated around most of my life without a list and made a lot mm-hmm. of bad choices. And in one relationship, I was in a long-term relationship with this man who thought, I have these boxes and these series of boxes that need to get checked. And that's how I know I'm I'm clear. And then I have wow. like these guidelines. And you know what? I've checked all the boxes with you and like, this is it. And I was just like, shit, I never had like a list or boxes or anything. Right. Maybe you <laughs> are, are approaching right. this better than me. So I'm like you, like well, I never... I always thought that was kind of an immature side of myself, not having less. So this is interesting. Well, I think, I mean, I hear people say like, yeah, you have to, you have to know what you want before you can get it. And I'm like, maybe that's partially true. But unfortunately, I think the list comes from ego. And that story you just told about that guy's list sounds exactly like what I, why I don't think you need a list. Like I see the list now, a list of recipes, like I'm going to go bake this perfect person. Do you know what I mean? I'm going to cook him and pop it out. He's going to be just right for me. Yes. And then (laughs) we're going to have no problems. And then it's going to be the whole relationship ship is going to be exactly like I envision. It's like, no. That's a big, huge fantasy bubble about to burst. It's kind of like parenting again. It's like... Oh, can it's you like, imagine it, if we did that with our child? Exactly. Oh, this is a well, great... Well, some people do. Some people Ooh. do. They want this. They want this. And they're going to ride horses. And they're going to go to Harvard. Danger. And they're going to do whatever. And I mean, we kind of see the folly with children. Like, you can't just create somebody to be what you want. Well, I think it's the same thing. So to me, often, more often than not, a list comes out of the ego. It's like, I want this, I want this, I want this, I want this. Okay, you can have a list with one thing on it. <laughs> you know what I mean, take one I thing. I guess be certain about like something. one thing that you <laughs> really, de- really have desi- need. Have a desire. Yeah, but but too often I feel like the list is really something that gives people an illusion that they're going to, that A, they even really on a deep, deep level know what they need. Because I'm going to say on a spiritual level, so many of us would not necessarily know in advance what we need. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's presuming a sort of crystal ball level of understanding of yourself that you could know exactly what you need. I mean, I don't know about you, but I could didn't know what I needed while I still had eggs. 
You know I don't think I'm I, I don't think I, I think I kind of know what I need now. It took me a really yeah, long like, time. Now that I have wrinkles, I it know what I need. It took me a need. really yeah. long time. Yeah, I to wasn't going to know what I, what I needed when I was still, you know. <laughs> and my most recent list, by the way, mm-hmm. and I'm still with him, David, mm-hmm. was very vague. But it's funny that you say the one thing. I had two things on. There. I was like okay, a hottie right. with a kind heart. There that you was go. It. Boom, right. got him. I can work with, right? And the details. I want a hottie with a kind heart, that's God. That's nice. That's a great <laughs> list. That's like a list of one. And, yeah. And it's like, you know what you need, but on the most basic level. And then you let, that's just like an outline. And then you let the universe mm-hmm. fill in all the details. Mm-hmm. My concern is when people are like coming in with all the details. I'm You've like, just screwed up a lot of people. I got to tell so you. That's <laughs> so limiting, you guys. You guys, I give up your list. Yeah, yeah get totally. Up the agree. list. Pick your two things. You want a blank with a blank. Yeah. <laughs> this is good. List. This yes. is good. Or Tracy's, you just want a blank. <laughs> yeah. Or you get well, greedy and be like me. I just I like, know I think in this is my great. relationship, if I had so dated good. my relationship and uh, like been online, I would have passed on him. Because Interesting. online, he's not what I would have been looking for. Like, that's to me the limitation yeah. of dating online. And what if that, you had a list yeah. and you weren't really clear on what you needed and then you limited all the possibilities, yeah. which is what I think you're saying, and then you change, which we do anyway, exactly. especially in our 30s and 40s. Gosh, I mean, can you imagine the 20-year-old list, the 25? Imagine the 35-year-old exactly. list. Exactly. Every five years, it's a new list. Good. Okay, so losing the list. Awesome. I feel like, yeah, the list is not a thing that is helpful. I mean, yeah, like my boyfriend's sporty. I would not have chosen chosen sporty. I would have been, no, swipe left, you know? Um, mm, but that's good. And it turns out it's been very good. So it's good to get somebody that isn't necessarily exactly everything you think you need and want. Yeah. And I feel like that's relationship advice too. Like approach your relationship sort of like the person is not, you know, not supposed to be everything you need and want. They're just supposed to be this other person. That you're going to practice loving. Yeah. Can you practice I mean, loving like so, another person who and isn't what you want? not define who people are supposed to mm-hmm. be. Yeah, right. Yeah. So Here, here, sister. Yeah. So that's, Losing the list. Lose it just got list. way easier for a lot of people out there. We're going to have to do a, a call in with Tracy or invite you back. I'm so respectful of your time, but we're going to do an All the Singles Ladies it. podcast because I have so many girlfriends that wow. are single and they're all different types of personalities. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy, the stories of what's going on out there and, and how difficult it is in the dating and the websites and the lines and just that for... It's so fascinating about what women think they want and need and the reality of what's going out on out there in the world. I mean, I and feel how like hard you should try is. to meet people in person. <sighs> I don't know. And then that, yeah, well, I wouldn't know. <laughs> yeah. I've so, been single for 20 years. Okay, go on. <laughs> that's amazing. I don't know, is it? <laughs> You're missing nothing. Exactly. I actually say that to my son. He's like, what do you think is the perfect age to get married? And I'm like, you know what? Honestly, it's like, you know, what do they say? Some Nothing good happens after midnight. It's kind of like nothing that great happens after 31. You know what I mean? It's just more of the same. Oh, my gosh. Except, what do you mean, though, by that? Like, like, Well, because it's like the way I look at it is, I mean, this is I speak from experience. Yeah, I've yeah, had yeah, 50 totally. million relationships and some of them have been successful and some of them have been less successful. 
But um, I sort of look at it as like weekend trips, you know? So it's like you go to Ojai, you go to Palm Springs, you go to San Diego. Mm -hmm. I mean, everything there is to see within two hours of my house, I have seen. Well, that's how I feel about relationships. Everything I can see in two years, I've seen it. I love it. You know, and after a while, you're like, gee, what's in Seattle? You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Like, like, I'd rather take a longer journey. I mean, this is hindsight, you guys. But And so I'm saying to my son... Take a longer journey with one person. Mm-hmm. You don't need to just do weekend trips. Right. You know, that's what I mean by after 31, it's like everything there is, you've done it. It's not like there's some one sexual partner you haven't had that's going to like change your life. Right, right, It's right, like, right. it's just sex. It's not a journey, that big of world. a deal. I read something know? funny the other day that said dating is just a process of spending enough time with someone to get to know them until you realize that you don't really like them. <laughs> Yeah, that's called marriage. <laughs> and that doesn't happen until you shut the doors to the relationship. And then all of a sudden you're like, wait, I don't even like you. Right, right. Wait a minute. Who are you? Wait, but, who am I? But that, that's what I think is the truth about long-term relationship and parenting. Like, you're that's what I mean about like, yeah, of course you hate me sometimes, kid. Or, of course, um, partner, I'm driving you crazy. That's normal. Yeah, People totally. drive each other crazy. Totally. So that's no reason to break up. <laughs> That's not a reason. You yeah, know? that's right. I mean, abuse is a reason, you know. But other than like major deal breakers, I've come to understand that, and I learned this through my experience, was I was just trading in one partner for the next. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. really, really was. Mm-hmm. So um, that's right. I can see that very clearly now. And part of the reason I share honestly about my own mistakes is like, I mean, not, it's just like we don't. We don't need to. Every, we don't need to keep doing this, you know. Mm-hmm. So, do you think being indifferent is a reason? Indifferent. Well, I think indifferent is a defense. So, actually, indifferent. Because I'm, I mean, I don't know about you, defense, but I know a lot of people in a marriage yeah. who just. I'm going to say they're faking it. it, though. I'm going to say Going when people are indifferent, they're pretending that they don't care that that they're not. They're trying to defend themselves against what they're not feeling, getting, Mm. giving in the relationship. Because obviously at one point they really felt enough for each other to get married. And even if they got married for the wrong reason, like I've heard people say, no matter what reason you get married for, it's kind of the wrong reason. Because then the marriage reveals the right reasons to you, the ways that you need to grow as a person in order to stay in it. So true. So I think it's all... When like I look are, at my husband now, and I and I have a better understanding um, and a different appreciation for him as a man today, and things that touch me so deeply and comfort me about him that I wasn't even aware of right. in the beginning. And we've also been together almost twelve years, so mm-hmm. it, we've nurtured it and we've worked at mm-hmm. it, and it's completely become unraveled and we've mm-hmm. let it fall apart so we could build it back up again. And we've been through a lot. Yeah, but like today, I see things that. I didn't know were so valuable Mm -hmm. in the beginning. So totally agree with that, what you just said. And I feel like indifferent is where you're afraid to let it unravel. Yeah. Like to me, the most courageous thing you can do is to let it unravel. Because in order to let it unravel, that means you're telling the truth. 
Well, and I think you're so right. And I, and I ask that because I have a girlfriend who's in a just a marriage where they're both just kind of like parallel lives mm-hmm. and just one foot in Emotional front of the other. And, and, it, and yeah, mm-hmm. and coexisting. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, I, and I think they are afraid to deal with what's mm-hmm. the pain and the need or, or, or the, the change. Yeah. Well, I think it's the best thing you can do is to confront the thing that you're most afraid of, say the truth, mm-hmm. and then let it all fall apart. And then let it come back together if it's going to. I don't think there's, obviously, I don't think there's anything wrong with divorce. I just think that most people get divorced for the wrong reasons, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, like, it's fine if you dig deep and you, you like, are courageous in your truth-telling in your relationship. And then that leads people to know that they're not actually good partners for one mm-hmm. another. But that's different than divorcing because you're afraid to say the truth to sure. this other person. Sure. Oof, you know? Danger. Yeah. Digging deep. I mean, imagine if you, you know, you dig deep and you grow and then you're able to discover some other things and some other reasons yeah. to dig a little deeper and keep working it out. You well, know? and same with affairs. Like somebody said, an affair, there's two kinds of affairs. There's a cry for help and there's a a way out. Mm. And, um, and I feel like there's some truth in that, you know? Like if it's a cry for help affair, it's like, those are the people who can save their marriage. If it's like, I want out and I just don't know how to say to you that I want out. I mean, first of all, if without confronting that question, you do not have the emotional maturity to form any kind of a true partnership over here. So it's, you know. God, it takes a very compassionate person to consider the cry for help, but that's loaded. Yeah, that's a big deal. I get that. That's the most kind of. Um, nuclear I get option, that. but people do it, and yeah, yeah, it happens every day. So let's don't act like it's some like yeah, 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 really sure. whatever thing. Let's make it a starting point of like a deeper j- spiritual journey. You know, that's good. We'll have more of my interview with Tracy McMillan in just a minute. But first, just a little bit of housekeeping. Many of you know that I've had a long-time relationship with Skechers. I'm also a big fan, and I just want to take a moment to say thank you again for supporting the Naked Mom podcast. It's such a trusted relationship. I I, I actually wear my Skechers truly inside and outside of the gym. But right now, my number one shoe, my fave, is the Skechers Delights. You may have seen the commercial that's running, but truly so comfy. There's a little built-in heel that makes you just a little bit taller and the memory foam is like walking on slippers. So I just want to say thank you to Skechers for supporting week after week and also for making great styles that we all love to wear. Totally appreciate you guys. Thank you. You're a smart one, Tracy McMillan. (laughs) What else do we have? (laughs) This is good. So, um, (laughs) changing the world one question at a time. (laughs) Somebody asked me the difference between narcissism and self love. Ooh. And I'm like, oh. Ooh. Yeah, that's interesting. Okay. I guess because we have this idea that narcissism is about being in love with yourself, you know, but it's not true. Actually, narcissism is about not having a self. So um, you don't have a self, so you need the mirror to go, am I here? Am I here? Am I there? Do I exist? And the mirror is the camera, the other person's eyes, you know? Like the way I describe narcissism is, you know those like blow up things outside the car wash that kind of float around and then mm-hmm. they have like the air blow? Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. narcissism. So narcissist does not, is like drooping unless there's somebody blowing air into them. They could be blowing air in real life. They could be blowing air 
on social media, but they have to have people looking at them, giving them energy. It's not self-absorption. It's a lost sense of... It's, it's like a, it's no a void self. Of a I'm sense nothing. Of self. I, yeah, I have nothing inside me until the person looks at me or, you know, the, the audience blows all this air into me and then suddenly I start to dance. Oh, look, I'm alive. And then if you take that away, they droop. Mm. And then they'll usually do something... I've never heard it described that way. Do something... Um, provocative to get the attention coming again. Yeah. So that's so what narcissism is. it's a complete lack is. of self-love. Yeah. It's like a lack of self. Like there's nothing there to hold the self up. So self-love is when you're practicing caring for yourself the way you would care for someone you love, you know? So wow. I always imagine like um, the way a really good mom or grandma figure would care for you. Sometimes I imagine it as Betty White. Mm. You know, like, how would Betty White, right. how, how would Betty White, you know, how what could, how would she be with me if I was, like, sick or going through a breakup? You know what I mean? Betty White would be like, it's okay, sweetheart. And she would say some jokes, and it would be light, and it, it would be fun, and it it would be okay. I was just thinking of when you mentioned Betty White. You know, the person that came to my mind was Cloris Leachman. And I was thinking, so how would she? I'm like, oh, that's really, that could be really dark and humorous. And that she's so that's funny. That's funny that I we both that. have Mary Tyler Moore references. <laughs> and and as a person from Minneapolis, I mean, there's probably no television character I love more oh than gosh, Mary Tyler right, Moore. Oh my gosh, right? Right? Yeah. Love so, that. Um, so to me, that self love is when you're caring for yourself. Narcissism is when you don't have a self and mm. you want other people to give you attention, you know, and you're willing to kind of do provocative things to get it, you know, whether that's, I mean, you just think of pretty much any reality television star is behaving in ways that yeah. are consistent with like a narcissistic way of being. And this is the thing. Yeah, it's this not like, crazy damn business we live in. It is. Just and, and I say this because this, this brings me to my next Thing I was just going to say, which is that it's not like there's narcissists and then there's the rest of us, the good people. It's that everyone has narcissism. And sure. it's just about, is it what number on the scale of one to 10 are we? Is it like a two and a three and a four? And it's like, okay. And people, we're not like alienating people around mm -hmm. us. Or is it toxic? And it's like an eight or a nine or a 10. And how do you um, manage that? You know, because if you are in a relationship with a narcissist. It's hard. When somebody is really in their narcissistic or their narcissism's really up, it can be really scary. But one of the ways to know it is, one of the things to know about it, I should say, is that narcissism comes from trauma. So if you want to find compassion for a narcissist, you just know that they are responding. This was their defensive response to really traumatic things that happened to them that they were unable to process, probably in childhood, and this is how it's manifesting. So even if you don't love the behavior, you can still stay connected to the, you know, the wounded human mm -hmm. being that's yeah. under there. And then, of course, the important Once thing is again, to really compassion. take care of yourself, yeah. you know, have good boundaries. Yeah, totally. So... That's a lot. Well, that well, is. We covered a lot of territory today. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Can we lighten it up a little I bit? Know. Let's lighten it up. Let's lighten it up. It's my funny gosh. Because Have you seen any you, good movies? I know. Oh, um, how about I, The Handmaid's Tale? No. No. That's not oh, right. Oh, my gosh. That's a joke. No. How about, yeah, how about um, 13 Reasons Why? <laughs> oh, yeah, exactly. Like, I'm in the middle of that right now. Wow. And I'm like, why am I watching this at night? You know what's really interesting is that I, I find that even heavy programming, mm -hmm. like I have like my, my list of like Sunday night, like, 
it's just the wrong time to be watching something dark and heavy, you know? I have to be very careful when I'm going to watch something. Like, I'm not ready for that right now. No. I feel like that's self-care. Yeah. Do Mm -hmm. do you watch TV at night before you go to bed? I don't watch it usually right before. I'm like an internet person. I love news. I love the New York Times. I love reading and learning. I have a really hard time watching news or reading news at at night or in the morning. I have to really time that. Yeah. I know. We're living in a really... Intense world right now. It is. But I think somebody said the newspaper is my prayer sheet. It's like, this is all the places I'm going to pray, you know? Oh. Like, I'm I'm, going to pray to to bring light here. I'm going to pray for light here. I'm going to pray for understanding here. I'm going to pray for harmony here. And you just go through the whole thing and you say, I'm going to take my energy and add to the light around something. It's a nice way of dealing with it. You know, sometimes, uh, um, you know, current affairs come up in conversation Mm -hmm. a lot with my children, Mm -hmm. especially my young ones who are nine and 10, and they ask a lot of questions. And um, they don't have a lot of fear Mm -hmm. because we really have an open dialogue about the reality of the world right now. And I try to create, you know, a mental safe space for them. But I always tell them to, Look for the helpers. Mm. And even in these scary situations or the pictures that they might be seeing on right. TV accidentally or the news might be mm-hmm. on in the morning, which I don't even do anymore because mm-hmm. I can't look at like Mr. Cheeto Man anymore. In the morning. <laughs> <laughs> but but hard. that's a whole other thing. I, I don't watch the news in the morning anymore. Um, but I always just say like there's helpers everywhere. Mm. And I really believe in like that power of yeah. prayer true. And even though this is terrible, there's like, we have to like look for the people around, That's you know, good, the trauma. Like and look for the helpers. I it, mean, yeah, it's a little bit of a diversion of attention, but no, I think God is good, and it's like God is when you, it's when you're looking for the good. Where is your attention? Is it on the good, or is it on yeah. the the unfixable, untenable, un you know, just the part that's so painful? Yeah, but like I, what I hear you saying is even in in every situation, there is some good happening. Yeah, and I and I think in conversations when it comes to you know young children to be able to, you know, we can't hide, you know, I can't close their eyes to what's happening in the world, but right. I can shift it a little bit and like these look at what's happening and these are the organ these are the people mm-hmm. that are going into the field these people are going to help mm-hmm. these are the organizations that are going to give and that are going to rally and look at the crowds and look at mm-hmm. the prayer and. Um, I try to do that. And to really maybe they're teachable moments, emotion coaching moments, you know, yeah. where it's a lot to manage. Mm-hmm. There's it just is. so much going on, I you know? know? It's true. I mean, I used to, so, you know, when I was in college, I remember reading history and I'd be like, wow, what was it like to live then? Like, you read about the Depression. You're like, what was that like? That mm. must have really sucked. Yeah. You know? And yeah. then, and I feel like we're in one of those times. Yeah. What are you reading right now? Um, Let's see what I have like seven books you by do. my by my, and I'm not reading it. I I literally I open it up, <laughs> I get one page, and then I'm like, so I'm reading. Is it, this. Is it that you lose interest or are no, you just I get tired? You yeah, know? I was going to say that yeah. I go through the same thing, and I I I want to. I'm so friggin' tired, mm-hmm. and I'm also having a hard time stealing those moments, like because exactly. people find me or somebody yes. needs me or I need to get um, in bed at eight thirty. I don't know how people just sit and read a book. Now I, I would do, love to lose myself in a great book. I need to do that, and I I'm feeling guilty about it. 
Um, because I tend to just click around on the internet, like, yeah. oh, I'm going to look at, you know, I'm not a big Facebook person. I'm on there, but I'm not on there personally. Like, I kind of try I'm to on stay there too, off but of I, it. Cause I'm it, one of the only people that's not engaging. I honestly, I, I'm ashamed to admit it. I don't even know how to work Facebook on my iPhone. I have oh. it connected to my other platforms. That's I don't mind that, great. though. Like, I spent enough time on on. Instagram when, and Twitter. Instagram I'm a little bored a of little, it lately. I'm, I'm bored with Facebook only because, like, I don't really want to get in these political discussions. Yeah. You know, I want to no, be, it. I'm not saying it's not happening. I'm just saying I'm not adding my energy to the pile of negative energy. I'm yeah. not willing to do that. Got it. Well, so, got it. um so I'm going to be over here. I'm like, you guys go ahead and have it out with one another. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm going to be over here <laughs> trying to be of service somehow. That's my I love it. That's my um, feeling for today. And, you know, maybe something more will be revealed to me down the, lo- down the line. Yeah. I don't know. But um, I just feel like, yeah, social media is a really powerful thing for good and for not so good. You yeah. know? Yeah, totally. Um, I'm not here to vilify anything. It's not like that. I, it's so actually, easy for people to, yeah. being faceless, to chime in. And, <laughs> oh. and sometimes every once in a while I'll want to respond and I'll start to write a comment. Because, like, I'm a writer. I'm mm-hmm. like, get out of the way. I have yeah. something to say. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but then I just, I most of the time, almost every, I just erase it. Like, really, what am I adding here? Yeah. Am I adding to the good, the understanding, the harmony, and the love? Am I? Or am I trying I to change someone else's mind? I do think you say a lot mind? of things and you post and publish a lot of things, though, that make us think. Yeah, and that's like, great, but I not still, specifically. Right, yeah. right, right, right. But I, but I, even in those moments of, you know, as superficial as our social media platforms can be, there is mm-hmm. this element of um, engaging and connecting in a way that, like, I really still every day go to your Instagram just Thank to find, you. a, find, you're welcome, just to find quotes or something and I most of the time you're speaking just to me that's true no but I love that just little moments little bits well that's that's what I feel like we're supposed to I mean my life philosophy is that to that I know I I mean this is an empty nest nest thing it really is I'm able to do it because I'm not packing a lunch in the morning I'm not carpooling anymore you know I could probably do it otherwise but I couldn't do it along with my Mm. other with my writing you're doing it more now than we're yes for sure this wasn't happening before I'm kind of doing it less and it's such a big part of like my business but I'm I taking just over for you you're taking over because I'm reading your stuff and I'm like what do I have to say <laughs> like I'm not even even like the whole time of the selfie and after a while it's like this is kind of weird or mm-hmm. is this worthy of posting or mm-hmm. like is this thought like does anybody really give a shit yeah <laughs> shit I'm always this? asking that do you know but I'm, your stuff's good but you got me to do it more I know I, I'm, I'm gonna stay on you about you that because I want to see more of you and getting me to do more and now you, and I'm I'm actually getting more serious about it. I know. It. I know. I'm proud yeah. of you when I see you, when I see a picture of you. I'm already in your head, and, like, so I feel you. Yeah. But I do like that. I mean, I wasn't doing it all. Like, literally, you You got to show that hair to everyone anyway. This. You guys got you, you to see Tracy's hair. She's got this, like, insane, like, curly, like, I don't want to call it an afro, but kind of, <laughs> like, a I thing. want an afro. Like, it's I want that, like, funky, curly, kinky hair. I well, love Well, you have it. to send me that one hair video Again, because now that I have an iPhone, which one? Remember oh, that oh, yes. hair video? Yes, yes, yes. Because I'm like, this could be really good, but yeah. then it didn't work because I was on an Android. Tracy just grew up and got an iPhone. <laughs> yeah, I just switched. So now, now we can transfer now images. Now Brooke can send me videos that um, I can post. Oh my God. What so. are you doing for fun? 
My God, that's a good question. I mean, it's funny. What am I doing for fun? I mean, I feel like I I go for walks. That's probably my big girlfriend thing that I do. If I'm going to hang out with my girlfriend, it's almost always going to be around a hike or a walk or some kind of thing like that. I love to travel and I don't have any trips on the horizon, which is like, oh, I need to get a trip. trip. I need to get a trip. Um, well, is there anywhere you haven't been that you're dying to go? Well, I, I have a bucket list. I travel a lot. I have a bucket list, but I feel like you. I need two weeks for all the places that I want to go, and I don't often get two whole weeks. I mean, for I a destination, yeah. you mean they're mm-hmm. far. Like what? What's like? What's give me a and couple? then I want to go with my boyfriend, and then he's got kids, so then mm. that's really hard to find two weeks, like right, coordinating right, right. everybody's schedules no, and everything. Um, so like, where do I, I want to go to Vietnam? That's a place I really? want to go. Yeah. I haven't done a lot of Asia. I went to Tokyo. I loved it. Um, although there was a part of me that, that I've never seen so many people in my life. I was totally. like, Whoa. No, I know. I know. <laughs> um, I love all year. I want to go to Iceland. A lot of people are that I know are going to Iceland yeah, now. Yeah, I would love to bring like it's really interesting. Like my kids too old to want to travel with me, but like my stepkids, I could totally want to go. How it old seems, are they? They're thirteen and eleven, and they'd be into it. I think that the geology there is so fascinating yeah. that it'd be a good place to go with kids. Um, I love European capitals. I want to do more of like Eastern Europe that I haven't done. So I have never done like Budapest, um, Vienna. I, I mean, we're in such a weird place with Russia right now. No, but no. <laughs> I've always wanted to go there. Um, and South America, I want to go to, too. I want to see Rio. Yeah. And, yeah, I would love to go there. So, And I want to go on safari. I want to go to Africa. I've been to Morocco, but I have never been to like Sub-Sahara Africa. Morocco's amazing. I think a Morocco's safari amazing. would be incredible. My friend's on one right now, and I'm living his... I'm living his dream on Instagram. I'm like, holy crap, that looks amazing. Yeah. Especially so, those treetop destinations. Oh, yeah. Wouldn't that be amazing? And like seeing the animals and yeah. stuff. So those are some places that I want to go. But I also kind of just want to go, like I have an airline credit that I need to use. And I'm like, maybe I'll just go to San Francisco for the weekend by myself. Kind of fun. So no summer plans, no summer trips. No, I'm probably, my in my in as a television writer, summer is when you work. You're working a lot right now? Yeah, like you take off, you end somewhere in like January or February, and then you have an empty period, and then things really start to heat up. Do you get writer's summer. block? Like when Not you're on a gig, really. you don't? No, because, see, the thing about television is you're in a room with a whole bunch of right. other people. And Collaborating so, yeah, and you have you, a specific... Yeah. I yeah. love working with other people. I might get writer's block in a room by myself a little bit more, mm. but, you know, I feel like that's time to meditate. And I feel like the higher power is on time and in time. And, like, if I'm having a... If I'm having a quiet period of ideas, it's because I'm supposed to have winter, you know? Interesting. You, you, you have no anxiety related to anything, so you're Not able to, really. like, which is so good. I know. We talk about it my, with so my therapist. Good. He's like, wow, you don't really, you just seem chill about that. I'm like, yeah, I am. I never There's worry about that. that. Do you write for therapy at all? Like, do you write person? Like, do you have an out? Do you use writing as an outlet for yourself as an, in a therapeutic way? Does that make Probably, sense? Probably, <laughs> but in the way, like, even if I'm doing like something. Like journal? Per- no, not like that. So, I mean, you could say every book is a form of journal for me. Mm-hmm. Like, when I, even when I wrote Why You're Not Married Yet, I remember doing the um, audio book. Mm-hmm. So it was four days of reading. And I was like, oh, I wrote a whole book to myself. Right. <laughs> 
You're like, this is weird. <laughs> this is, oh, like, this is wow, so this weird. Is, all for is me. anyone interested in my story? I felt that way too. I was like, God, what do you write about? What do you reveal? What do you censor? What's what is yeah. really relevant and why? And then you start discovering stuff, and mm-hmm. do I go there? And oh, I forgot about that. And it's kind. Of, it's a total process of self discovery. But I it? think that's the thing. Like even, and I mean, artist is sort of a lofty word. I don't really walk around going, I'm an artist. But right. but I think when you're a writer or it's like what, even as when I'm writing television, what you do is you're going to an emotional place or a place that people find themselves, a place of drama or comedy or whatever, and then you un, you unpack it, you discover what's there, then you write it in such a way that other people can process it mm-hmm. as they watch the show or read the book or watch the movie. And in that way... Or hear the song. And in that way, you really are being of service to people by going to these feelings and encoding them in a way that other people can then experience the same, almost like a the same ride. Mm. But maybe that's not their gift to be able to unpack all that stuff. Sure. You know? Sure, and sure, so sure. in that way, you sort of heal the world a little bit just by going into your own dark places. Yeah. You know? That's interesting. Are you ever offended as a TV writer when actors don't honor your words? Well, because it's one of the things that comes up in like acting school or like audition classes or workshops. And I don't know if you've been on the other side of it, but I was always, that was like a note that always stuck in my mind. They always say, like, especially when it's an audition process or if it's a reader, it's your script Mm -hmm. or you're, you know, running it. And especially in the sitcoms, like, you have to honor like every word. And sometimes Mm. as an actor, as a person, instinctively, it might not just feel right. I'm always so sensitive to That's that. That's good of you. I Do feel you? like, no, I feel like being offended is really usually ego. Maybe irritated, I guess. Or I even should. that. Like, <laughs> who, see, I guess I sort of think like, this is part of what allows me to be honest in a book too. It's like, well, why wouldn't a person be honest? Well, because we're afraid. Well, what are we afraid of? Being judged or having people not want to love us anymore or abandonment or whatever. It's like, well, who do I think they're judging? I'm like, I'm, I mean, from a Buddhist perspective, I'm not even who I think I am. Mm-hmm. So how could I be who random person <laughs> thinks I am? So if I sort of take myself lightly in that way, yeah, I wrote some words, but I'm not going to be all up in that. It's like, God, this, they should all be Buddhists in the industry. What actor, would it be like? <laughs> well, I've what seen so like? many great actors bring something to it that yeah. I never even imagined. You're so open like that. Yeah. You're so good like that. So I just think we all need to, you know, uh, sometimes I say some people need to stand up for themselves and other people need to sit down for themselves. You know what I mean? It's totally. Like, just uh, take a seat. Totally. That's good. <laughs> sit down oh for yourselves, God. people. Well, listen, this was so insightful yeah. and so good. And I want to remind everybody to email us and to reach up, yes. out to us at the Naked Mom Pod. So show at nakedmompodcast.com because it would be so fun in the future. Mm-hmm. If I get, if I'm stumped or we get some really yes. specific relationship questions, yes. love to have you back. It's always so much fun. I learn so much Thank every time. You. I'm with you, Tracy McMillan. Always good. I love hanging out with you. Thank you so much. Thank and you. also check her out at at Tracy McMillan. You can reach out to her, reach out to us. Mm-hmm. I love hearing. I, I want the I like the full conversation. Mm-hmm. So reach out to us. I want to know what you guys think. All right, guys. Have an awesome summer, Tracy. Bye. I'll see you Thank soon. Thank you. Bye, guys. Bye.